It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shoei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. So for today's episode, I've got with me my friend and yours, the host of the Reds Alert podcast and purveyor of all things Kona Brewing, Stephen Offenbaker joins us today live from Hawaii. Okay, it's not live because we're recording this ahead of time, but whatever, a little behind the scenes there. Steve, how you doing, man? Aloha, and uh, let me be the first probably ever to tell you how ole makahikiho, which is Happy New Year from here on the big island of Hawaii. Ola maki, okay, no, 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 no. Do, do, do you want me to walk you through it? I'll teach you. How? Yeah, yeah. Like how? How? Oli. Oli? How oli? Oli, yep. That's the first part. Uh, ma- makahiki. Makahiki? Oh, ho, ha- haola makahiki, ho. That was close. Not bad. <laughs> not bad for your first time. <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm gonna learn that. I'm gonna remember that. <laughs> Except I can only use it once a year. But hey, I like foreign languages. And actually, that's gonna be a great segue <laughs> to our first topic. Um, <laughs> jump right in because some of you listening may know. Some of you listening may have a Twitter. Some of you may have a happier life and not have a Twitter. But those of us that do were involved in a saga earlier this week. And I say a saga because it really started the morning of the 30th and then just lasted an entire day. And and in some cases even went into the next day. And that was when we woke up, we saw the report from Nikon Sports or Nikon or Nikon Sports over in Japan that the Reds had signed Shogo Akiyama to a three-year deal. Now, the problem was no one from, uh, you know, MLB circles in America was confirming it, and so there was a little bit of hesitation. I, I was part of that hesitation, but, <laughs> I mean, overall... 
there was a lot left to be desired whenever some fans were getting on there and doing Google Translate with the the Japanese article. How did you, I know you, you probably caught up with it uh, whenever you first saw everything on Twitter. Well, what did that look like to you? Because to me, it was kind of funny and also kind of weird all at the same time. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, out here in Hawaii, the, the there's a very strong Japanese influence. And, you know, the Japanese language is very, very difficult. And uh, I haven't even attempted to try and pick up any Japanese. And I know uh, several of my friends that speak Japanese and uh, understand it. So I was trying to get them to read me the articles that were coming up on <laughs> Twitter. And I was, again, you know, like everybody else, trying to use Google Translate. And, you know, I've, I re eventually just reached a point where I felt like, you know, we've been burned enough with false reporting and, and accidental information, et cetera, et cetera, that I was just going to sit back and wait till I saw it from uh, a U.S. source. And uh, once we got that, and, and actually I got it via a retweet from uh, Doug Gray over at Red Leg Nation, once I saw that, then I was I was on board and, and, and I believed it. Um, but until that happened, just because of the of – the, the foreign language and the the difference in reporting, I was real reluctant to run with it until I saw that. That's one thing that I'm always super cognizant of on Twitter is the the fake reporting, the almost social media catfishing that some people go through. And, and really, it, it happens more. I've noticed it a lot more with football and basketball more so than baseball, thankfully. But at the same time, same token, I, I was completely with you. I really didn't run with anything until I saw Joel Sherman tweet it. Right, but, and there's and there's there's a lot of fake sources out there. There's evil this and evil that, and and yes. not so and so, and not so and so, and John Heyman, and you know all of these sources that you can't rely on. So, well, and the the <laughs> the weird thing is, people go so far as to put in. Like that, it's like a white circle emoji or blue circle emoji, whatever it is, next to their name. So that if you just look at a quick glance and like someone has their title as Adam Schefter and it has like a circle or something next to it, just a quick glance, your eyes are like, okay, well, this is Adam Schefter. But then if you really look at it and then if you look at the handle as well, you're like, oh, yeah, never mind, not Adam Schefter. But that's just for an example. Obviously, Adam Schefter doesn't tweet out baseball news. But at the same token, there's plenty of people like that. And I always hate that because that makes you slow down a little bit. So I, right. I've, I've adopted the thing. I'm like, I'd rather this be real. I'd rather it be confirmed before I start jumping in and doing my thing than to be quick but be wrong at the same time. Right. And I, I got burned once this offseason already um, with a fake Ken Rosenthal account. And there was a post, and I thought it it was involved the Reds, and they I can't remember the exact deal, but basically they were getting fleeced in whatever trade this was, and I, uh, you know, ran with it, and then you know, luckily Doug happened to be online right when I did it, and within you know thirty seconds had messaged me, hey, this is a fake account, and so I was able to go back and delete it before it really made me look bad, but. You know, from there, I'm with you. I, I slow down. I make sure I check the handle versus the name that it says it is. I try to see it from a couple places before I run with anything anymore. Just because, you know, these people, I guess, get joy out of making people look silly, and, and I don't like it. 
and it's very easy for someone to make me look silly. So it's a it's a good thing that <laughs> we have friends like Doug that can like shout out and be like, "Dude, you're being dumb." And I'm like, oh, okay, oh, awesome. <laughs> So with that being said, though, I and I, I made my thoughts known very uh, explicitly throughout the week. What are your thoughts on Shogun? I know that uh, you've probably talked on the Resolute podcast as well. And just a quick plug, too. If you guys have not already done so, check out the Resolute podcast on all podcasting platforms that you actually can find. Um, uh, find the Locked On Res. I can't believe I just forgot the name of my own podcast but uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> check out the Rizzler podcast steve does a great job and he's got chris schluter on there and he's got a lot of great guests uh if you haven't seen the different episodes that he's done or listened to if, if you're watching the episodes then that's amazing but if you haven't yeah, that's, listened that's chad stick there yeah <laughs> um but if you haven't listened to the episodes that he has done on women's and in baseball that was an absolutely phenomenal series and you definitely got to go check that out but um what are your thoughts that was a really long way of asking this what are your thoughts on the reds getting shogo you know for me um there there's pros and cons uh you know, let me just start with the cons. Uh, I'm a little concerned that, uh, you know, beginning uh, with the 2020 season, he's going to take the field as basically a 32-year-old uh, Major League Baseball rookie. And and I know he's got a ton of playing experience. And um, not to knock the Japanese Baseball League, but it's, you know, it's not Major League Baseball. And uh, while they do have a high quality of play and they do have some good pitching, um, it's not Major League Baseball. So for me, you know, as a 32-year-old rookie, uh, at that age, he's definitely facing uh, the decline phase. Uh, that gives me some pause um, and it, it tempers some of my excitement just a little bit. Uh, all that being said, I feel like he's going to be able to jump in Great American Ballpark and provide, you know, above average outfield play. Uh, defensively, I don't have any concerns. He can play all three outfield positions. Uh, if you look at his numbers at the plate in Japan, you know, he has a high on base percentage, which, you know, if that translates to even just an average major league baseball player, uh, for his first season, if we can get two years of average, you know, um, OPS plus of 100 out of him. Uh, this is this is a, a, a no-brainer deal for me. Um, not a lot of money invested, not a lot of time invested, and it gives them a chance to sort out a little bit of what it is they want to do with this outfield that right now is is probably the biggest question mark on the team. I agree with you there because there are a lot of unknowns. I, I read different articles that were comparing the Japanese league to the highest level of minor leagues, but we always wonder when it comes to AAA superstars, how is that going to translate? It's going to be the same with Shogo. The, the thing I am most encouraged about with him is his on-base percentage, his eye. Eye translates no matter where you're at. But I'm with you, the whole 32 thing, and um, I think there – I can't remember if he had surgery or if it was just a foot injury in general, but he, he is healing up from that, which – his age and that little bit of health issue, which most people believe he's going to be ready by spring training. It's not as if they're going to already uh, pencil him on the injured list to start the year. But with that being said, that's kind of how the Reds got him at what we're thinking is a pretty cost-effective price. And that's where I kind of want to get your take on that because I know that one of the things 
that we've mentioned this offseason is we don't want the Reds to be frugal, although we want them to be smart. Where does this fall in the range for you? Do you think they're being cheap with this deal, or do you think that this is a very calculated move uh, that you like? Well, this is smart. This is smart in several regards. It's smart because in this particular signing, there was no posting fee involved. Uh, so the Reds didn't have to pay a bunch of money to his former team in Japan. Uh, it's smart because in the grand scheme of things, what he's ultimately going to make on a per year basis is peanuts in the uh, in the salary category. I mean, it's really not a tremendous overpay. Uh, the, the third reason it's that it's smart, at, specifically from a business standpoint for the Cincinnati Reds, is it creates exposure for the team in Japan where – they didn't really have any before. Um, they have never signed a Japanese player. So this now puts the the Reds and the city of Cincinnati on the map. And you got to think that that will be good for the team. It'll be good for the city uh, in as much as uh, maybe boosting the, the tourism numbers with people coming over from Japan, you know, living here in Hawaii. That's our biggest influx of tourists, um, foreign tourists, comes from Japan. So, you know, those those folks over there, they love to travel. They they love coming to America. And this gives them a reason to uh, check out the Queen City. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Ninety three percent of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a seventy five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. That was one thing, too, that I kind of laughed about going back to the lost in translation thing with Google Translate is that there were a lot of uh, folks who were uh, doing the Google Translate of the Japanese articles and it was coming up as calling Cincinnati undeveloped land or unconquered territory. And I was just like, whoa. What, what what are we talking about here? Is this game that, was, that was Covington. It was talking about Covington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I just, I, I love that. But one of the other reasons that I really like this is it gives the Reds roster flexibility. It, they don't have to make a trade with this deal, but it does give them negotiating power Wherein I, I, you know, I thought looking at some of the deals that they could be looking at, whether it be Mookie Betts or Francisco Lindor or whatever, they were kind of backed into a corner a little bit. They only had a few things they could offer, and if they offered up a guy like Nixon Zell or something like that, then they would be creating a big hole in the lineup and in the everyday defensive fielding positions. Now they've got the ability to be judicious, I guess is the word I'm looking for, with uh, the use of Nixon, Zell, and trade offers. Or, if they keep them, David Bell can do his thing with the whole matchups and lineups and all that different stuff. Where do you stand? And it's a topic that I broached earlier this week. Where do you stand on the idea of trading Nixon, Zell? Because I've heard a wide spectrum of thoughts on this issue. Well, it's interesting. In yesterday's episode of uh, the Reds Alert podcast, um, I sat down with Mo Egger from ESPN 1530, and we talked about this very thing. And he made some great points uh, as far as what to do with Nick Senzel. You know, he stated, and, and I feel the same way, is, you know, we like Nick Senzel. We want Nick Senzel to be successful. But if moving Nick Senzel gets you 
what would be the best player in your lineup, you know, talking about Francisco Lindor, you make that deal. You win, you win now, and you worry about 2022. One, 2022, 2023, when they get here. Um, I am I am all done with, well, we can't gut the farm system. Sure we can. Trade everybody. I don't yeah. care at this point. I want to win. I want to win now. I need Cincinnati to no longer be a joke when it comes to professional sports. I need one of these teams to win some damn games, and it needs to happen now. So if we got to trade Nick Senzel to do it, it, it will hurt my heart to watch him go be an all-star in Cleveland or in Los Angeles or wherever he ends up, that would hurt my heart. But in the long run, if it means that I get to talk about the world champion Cincinnati Reds in 2020, you know, I'll, I'll get over that heartbreak. I'm with you because one of the things in speaking of Mo, he has a great article in the athletic talking about the best sports moments over the last decade in all of Cincinnati sports, not just the Reds, but he does mention quite a few Reds moments in there. Uh, he talks about at the very beginning of the article, he says that at the beginning of this decade, compared to at the end of this decade, there is such is almost a disbelief in good ever happening to our Cincinnati sports teams. We we think of, well, there's promise of good because they signed this guy, or there's promise of good because the front office has said it's time to turn over a new leaf and be aggressive. It's all the well and good, but we haven't seen any evidence of that happening and any evidence that there is success with these teams. I think that a big step toward gaining back the trust, not just the love, not just the engagement, but the trust of the Cincinnati sports fan base is doing a thing like that, is is turning Nick Senzel into Francisco Lindor or turning him into Mookie Betts or something like that, and then taking that team, which granted we're talking about the team on paper here in January, but taking that team and being a bona fide playoff team and having success with it, it's so much more than having a highly rated farm system with prospects. I'm tired of hearing about that. I don't care about that anymore. I want wins. I'm totally with you. And, and you know, you talk about the team on paper, but one of the things that's different heading into 2020 versus any other year is that we really don't have to talk about the team on paper. We can talk about what they've done on the field, specifically talking about this starting rotation. I have never been more excited about you know, a one through five going into a season than I am right now, because I know how every one of those guys can throw the ball when they're healthy. And right now all five are healthy. So for me, the reds are on the, just right on the edge of, of being a legitimate serious contender for the national league central. I mean, right now you go out and add a Lindor, you go out and, you know, I'm not convinced they're done in the outfield. If they go sign Ozuna, if they go sign Castellanos on top of everything else they've done, this team is is dangerous. I absolutely agree with you. And the the outfield piece, I think there are plenty of guys that you could trade. And I had a question on Twitter from a listener on the podcast was asking, you know, if you had to, which of these would you trade, Winker or Aquino? And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, either or, if it gets you what you need, that's great. And picking one guy or the other is really hard because I don't think we've seen 
I know we haven't seen everything from Aquino, obviously. He just got here. But at the same time, I don't think we've seen everything from Winker as well. But with that, there's so much value in the guys that they have now. We're not talking about the players that they had three or four years ago where they're on their last leg. They're retreads. They're guys trying to revive their career. We've got some promising guys on this team that have trade value and the Reds can use to get better. And, and without going too far, because I know me and you especially have really talked about our our thoughts on the Reds going all in and trading for the guys that they need. Let's look real quick. I, I, I know it's not a huge signing, but the Reds did add a reliever on a minor league deal, but an intriguing reliever to me, if nothing else, just because I remember back, I don't play fantasy baseball as much as I used to. I used to be big into fantasy baseball just, you know, three or four years ago. And three or four years ago, Tyler Thornburg was the closer of the future for the Brewers. He was going to take over. He was going to be their guy. And even looking back at 2016, he had, you know, 67 innings pitch, which is the most of his career. He had an ERA plus, which we can debate the reliability of, of 199. And this is just a few years back. That was back when he pitched with Derek Johnson. If he can even get close to that, we're talking about a big asset to this bullpen. And I don't know, did it move the meter at all for you when you saw that signing? Well, for those that listened to my show yesterday, um, they know I'm excited about this signing just from the standpoint of giving Derek Johnson a chance to to work his magic and try and capture lightning in a bottle again. Uh, Derek Johnson has demonstrated that he can take guys that he's worked with in the past and get them back to form, and and I'm talking about Sonny Gray. So for me, if you look at the numbers, the the, the big year that uh, Thornburg had in Milwaukee, uh, the 2016 season, that was Derek Johnson's first year in Milwaukee. So if you backtrack even just a little bit more to the 2015 season, uh, Thornburg had a 3.67 ERA in 24 games, uh, 34.1 innings pitched, uh, ERA plus of 109. So, you know, he was decent for sure in 2015. But then 2016 rolls around and with a little bit more development and experience and then the arrival of Derek Johnson, the guy has an electric season. And we saw we've seen that consistently uh, in Derek Johnson's career, you know, you see it one time, you think, oh, wow, that's interesting. You see it twice. You're like, hey, maybe we have something here. But when you start seeing it three and four and multiple times, you know, clearly Derek Johnson is the the piece that's in each one of these situations, whether it's Wade Miley or Sonny Gray or Thornburg. So for me, I'm excited about this deal. I want to see if if uh, Derek Johnson can work his magic again. Now, there are some pieces to keep in mind. Um uh, Thornburg was injured and did not pitch at all in 2017. And when he came back in 2018, he really just didn't have it. Uh, 5.63 ERA his first year in Boston, 7.71 his second year in Boston. Uh, and that's limited sample size, 24 innings the first year, 18.2 innings the second year. But he just didn't have it. So is that a mechanical thing that developed as a result of the injury? Is he being timid? There, there's lots of variables there. But if I, if there's anybody that can fix it, it's Derek Johnson. So I'm excited about this signing because as much as we want the Reds to go spend big money and get big names and do big things, there's a lot to be said for these reclamation projects if uh, if they can get them back to form. And what we know about Thornburg is at his best, he's very, very good. 
I agree with you, and I think this is probably how you know, we were. I was talking about it the other day on the podcast that there's not been a whole lot of chatter about the Reds going after big name bullpen arms. Like you know, I mean, Dolan Batances was out there for a hot minute. Now he's a New York Met. Things like that. I, I never expected them to do that. I figured the way that they would address the bullpen is through moves like this. I kind of have a little bit of a pivot, though, with this being in mind. And I know the answer is we would be disappointed that they don't go out and do more big moves. But if these are the rest of the moves this offseason, if, if they look at minor league deals with invites to spring training on reclamation projects on top of the moves that they've done so far, do you feel better about the team going into 2020 than you did going into 2019. I know that we want them to do more, obviously. I'm with you. I don't want this to be the end by any stretch of the imagination. But right now, do you feel better about this team? Ooh. You know, honestly, if this is it, I would be disappointed. Um, okay. I feel like the moves they've made so far have been great moves and correct moves. However, it have they haven't moved the, the needle enough to get in a position to make me think they have a legitimate shot at not only making the playoffs but winning playoff series. Uh, there, There's still enough uh, holes in the lineup that I wouldn't feel comfortable projecting them to make it to at least the National League Championship Series. Uh, they've got to do something else. Uh They've used up all of my, well, they made progress. They've used up all of my, uh, well, they tried. I, I don't care about trying anymore. I only care about winning. Uh, Bob Castellini burned every ounce of goodwill that I'm willing to give at this point. So from them, I need them to be aggressive. And if it means overpaying, overpay. If it means mortgaging the future to win now, do it. I don't care what it takes. They need to win baseball games. That's And I, I agree with you. I think that the whole idea, I know that our early season narrative last year was, well, they're fun. We can't do that anymore. There's there's I mean, fun is all well and good, but if that's still what we're saying about this team in June of 2020, then they've missed the boat. And I, I'm with you. They still gotta they still gotta keep moving on. I, I think that the biggest biggest thing for me, and, and I don't know. I, it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly one position, exactly one player, and say, well, he he's too big a question mark. But they, they got to do something to make Freddie Galvis not the everyday shortstop. And I know that there's been some discussion about, you know, catcher or uh, different things like that in the outfield, whether the platoon is good and all that other stuff. I think that if they get Francisco Lindor – that's going to really, I, I don't know. I, I think. I well, just no, talk- that moves that moves the needle. That that moves the needle from we might be average to we could be really really good because he would be the best player in the lineup versus Galvis, who is probably the what sixth seventh best player in the lineup. You can you can leave one position out there that may be offensively below average, and I don't mind that being catcher. Uh, because the way that Tucker Barnhart has demonstrated his willingness to work on his defense and, uh, you know, how he improved 
drastically uh, once he began to focus on pitch framing and, and doing the things that just the organization had never asked him to do before. So for me, I'm I'm fine with leaving one guy out there that's below average. But what you can't do is have a below average catcher, a below average shortstop, a below average outfield position, and a below average bullpen. You can't do all of those things and expect to win. So they've they've got to continue to make moves. As I mentioned on Thursday's podcast, this is a two-parter. And this is where we're going to stop for today. So make sure you tune in on Monday for the conclusion of my chat with Steve Offenbaker. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you are subscribed on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at Locked On Reds. And save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone. Make sure if you've got any reactions, questions, comments, if you think we're just crazy, 513-549-0159. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. And we'll talk to you again on Monday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 